Welcome, welcome again to another rendition of WTF Interviews. My name is Sir Royce Brialis, and I'm with my prestigious co-host, Dr. Rodney Young. How's it going, my brother? I'm good, man. How, how's it going? Man, pretty good, man. Just cut my AC on, man. I ain't trying to be in here sweating, man. So, <laughs> man, it's heat, man. I can't take it. But uh, we also, I'm, I'm pleased to announce we have a special guest, Ernest Krim III. How's it going, brother? Hey, I'm, I'm doing phenomenal, man. It's great to be here today. Thanks for having me, y'all. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So tell us uh, a little bit about yourself, man. What do you do and how many kids you have and what are the ages? Yeah, so I, I like to uh, tell people I'm a black history advocate or you know, your favorite black history teacher. And I always kind of have fun with that because I know most people have never had a black history teacher before. So I'm I'm the only one, so I gotta be your favorite. <laughs> so I, you know, full-time job is pretty much, I do a lot of uh, speaking and consulting, and I'm also a high school educator, teaching US history and African Latin studies. Um, very involved on this mission, man, of just, um, I like to, you know, look at it like, I'm continuing the work of people like Carter G. Woodson, and just pushing the importance of black history to our community um, and to our country too, in terms of what we need to know to reach our full potential because the the truths that are that are hidden within our history, I believe, hold the key to our success, whether it be stuff that's um, about Amer black American history or even African history as well. Um, I got three daughters, man. So I'm straight. I'm a, I'm a girl dad through and through. Like I got an eight year old, six year old, 16 month old. So, you know, I'm, it's a good thing I'm in my office, but you still might be able to hear some screams every now and then. <laughs> so. But yeah, man, those are my girls. <laughs> oh, that's you got cool, pretty uh, even gap between the three almost. Yeah, yeah. So it's, you know, the first two, they like best buddies. They're real close. And then the last one that we have now are 16, 16 months. And, you know, they help out a lot. So it helps for anybody out there. It helps to have that gap. Because I couldn't imagine having like triplets, all three at once. So, you know, now we can tell them we could, we could boss them around a little bit. Go get the diapers. Go get this. Go help out. Yeah. So. It's a beautiful thing. Exactly. <laughs> Little assistance. <laughs> so, Ernest, how has, um, like, an understanding of, of Black history, how has that impacted you as a father? Oh, man, I, I think it's outside of having a strong parental influence before being a father, I think it's probably the most important thing for me because it's allowed me to first understand how black fathers have been systemically taken out of the household and and also understanding that the, the impact i can have and you know I, you, you see it from a young age just like when, when you say something to your child and like it it's it it seems like they take it in more you know and i'm i'm just like a you know i'm, I'm a, a student of people like malcolm x and of course like i said carter g woodson you know of course dr king frederick douglas and i and i, I look at the impact their words have had on my life. I look at the impact them being fathers had on their children, specifically Malcolm X and who he was because he had daughters as well. And I just know for me, the, the power of the word, the power of the tongue and what we say to our children means a lot. So I've always been one who who's known that because my father and my mother spoke life over me and it's led me down my path to success, that it's imperative that I do the exact same thing for my kids, but up it a notch because I know some things, you know, that my parents didn't know having the benefit of the of social media and the internet. So one of the first things I always made sure I, I did was uh we read in every day. I think that wasn't, you know, I, I had my first child, I was 25 years old. 
it's relatively young, you know, but it's like, I, I knew I'm reading. Like, every, I just want you to hear different things, different words. And if I don't have time to read, I'm gonna talk to you like you're my age. And, and, I'm, and I mean that, like, not in terms of we going back and forth, like we are, like, no, we, we having a conversation. And you don't get it yet, but I understand that eventually you will. I remember my first, um, my, my first year teaching, I was student teaching actually around my old neighborhood in Chicago. And I had a young lady who, it's crazy when you first start teaching, man, because I was only probably like really three, four years older than some of these kids, man. It was, it was weird, bro. I'm like three or four years. I'm, I'm trying to act like I'm older, mature, but the only thing I know more than them is really just I got a little bit more schooling. But I had a young lady, man. She was about to have her first child, and she was like 18 or 19 years old. And I just remember thinking, like, I wanted to be able to impart some wisdom in her. And I came across an article that said um, the gap between like the word gap between uh, people who grew up in poor environments and wealthy environments is like millions by the time they reach the age three or five or something like that. And kids being exposed to, to a variety of, of different words of vocabulary can like change the trajectory of their life. Just in terms of hearing those words, just in terms of having a more expansive vocabulary, which probably, you know, uh, alludes to like being able to problem solve and things like that. So I knew from that point forward when I had kids, we just gonna be talking about everything. And even if you don't understand it, I know in my mind that eventually you will. And by me using them context clues, you'll you'll smarten up. I'm not gonna dumb it down for you. So for me, yeah, man, black history is like, yo, um, we're talking about everything. I understand that, you know, we have a history where we've been, uh, we've been oppressed, we've been this, but that's not who we are. And the advantage that I think we have over a lot of people is our history is, is glorious, it's magnificent. So if I can share that with you, I'm giving you a leg up on the competition. So it's all about that conversation. I'm showing you the positive people in your community. And, and I know you're going to walk into that destiny. So that's what we do. Oh, that's great, man. I, I appreciate you sharing that story. That made me think about, um, I've been having this conversation a lot, like with my son and like with other people, as far as in the context, a little bit different from what you're talking about. But um, I guess the root, as far as like the words, and um, not necessarily understanding what like things mean at the time, but still hearing it. And then I guess when you come to a certain level of maturity or understanding, then that resonating with you. Exactly. And um, we were talking about like the, uh, the rap music. So like when I was coming up, well, me and Royce, when we was coming up in our circle of friends, like we would listen to Nas, we would listen to Wu-Tang, uh, different stuff like that. When they talking about like 5% Nation, Yep. They talking about like different aspects of Buddhism, like yep. all that type of stuff. And like, we didn't necessarily understand what they were talking about at that time, but you know, we still listened to it. We was vibing with it. And you know how people say you can't unring a bell, you know, those words stuck with us because we heard them. And then like, as we matured and, and grew, you know, we was able to, to understand. So um, I think that's big, man, what you, what you're saying. Uh, about like reading to your kids and like just having them experience like just words <laughs> you know yeah, yeah that's something oh. that people don't really necessarily think about but that, that's big for, for a child's development yeah man it's especially when you, when you think about in our community you know for one we come from a lineage where this is far from our first language so we, we have to learn a variety of different ways to communicate, whether it's, you know, what they say, African-American vernacular English or standard English. And a lot of times I think that we resort to uh, expression our way, expressing ourselves in deleterious ways because 
we uh, don't have the, wor- the words to express how we feel. So when you don't have the words to express how you feel, what do you resort to, especially as young men, you know? So it's, it's of the utmost importance. I'm glad you brought up hip hop too, bro, because that's another thing we're big on because, you know, I, we understand the impact and not just of what I say, but the, the songs are probably more impactful because there's a soundtrack, there's music behind it. It's melodic. Yeah. It's going to get stuck in, you know what I'm saying, in your brain where it's sub- subconscious brainwashing and conditioning. So yeah. we, we like for us, and you know, I know y'all in the Chicago area. So like we, you know, sorry, uh, it's a couple of the, I ain't, you know, a couple of the stations we just don't let them listen to, you know, we, we, we have, you know, like the, the, uh, old school music, you know what I'm saying? V103 and, um, you know, we have, you on know, like the cleaner hip hop and, you know, like our, some of our kids favorite rappers, Toby, Nowigwe from Houston. Cause like his stuff is all of it is clean and it's lyrical <laughs> and, and the kids can pick up certain things from it. So yeah, man, that's, that's powerful right there. Hip hop, if it's used correctly, is a powerful instrument for learning too. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so uh, your name has some history to it. Uh, it has the, the third behind it. Uh, I want my son to pass that on to, to his, his son because he's the second right now. So, you know, uh, and my brother, he's the second also. So, uh, it's, it's power behind that. So can you talk to me about uh, the first two Ernest? Oh, Ernest yeah. Crow. Yeah, yeah. So again, man, going back to that, you know, my parents being the biggest influences on my life, like th- those are my first role models and everybody else kind of falls after that. Any any athlete, entertainer or historical figure falls under that. So like my father, Ernest Krim Jr., man, you know, um, like t- to me, an even better grandfather than he w- was a father. And that says a lot. So it's what I always got from him because my parents split up when I was young was just that 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 commitment to fatherhood. You know, it was never um, a situation where they let that get in between the relationship that they have with us. And even today, like they have a friendship. They're cool. We we all communicate as, as, as a family. So one of the things I got from him that was very important was just the commitment. Every Wednesday he picked us up like they split up at seven from seven through high school you know what i'm saying like to the time i started driving then i started driving i'm going over there every wednesday like same time every day you know every other weekend you know that commitment where he worked the same job to help provide for us for 30 years this year same location 30 i can't even imagine bro 30 years that commitment right there you know what i'm saying um and he would always like and this when i started college one of the things that was really cool was you know this is now this is 2005 so like the social media era is starting to come upon us but it ain't take over yet so my man he ain't even had like uh email or nothing yet you know so we had to really get on board with that but he would like send me stuff through the mail at my like dorms and my apartments and it would always be like these little words of wisdom or these little quotes and stuff and you know like and it was he was real big on choices commitment and responsibility he was very firm on that. So it was always whenever I'm going through something, he's going to come at me with, well, have you considered this? Have you considered why that person may have felt that way? Coming in with that sound logic and that logic with love, you know? And I, and I think one of the things that is, is really, uh, that speaks to, to, to the love he had for me and his composure was like, just even like when I was learning how to drive and I remember, you know, getting on the expressway for the first time and I'm freaking out. And, you know, he was just real calm as opposed to my mom, no offense, my mom was freaking out as soon as, soon as I put on my seatbelt. She's like, slow down. Like, mom, I ain't even started driving yet. <laughs> but I get on the express when I think I like accidentally bumped the car or something, man. You know, like, 
and he wasn't tripping. You know what I'm saying? Like it's 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 just like the the, the composure when you see that as a child that that means a lot because you don't see somebody flipping out on you. That that man it represents that stability that that place of logic for you. Um, that you know that sound composure whatever. And 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 having that same name, man, it feels like a legacy because you know my um my grandfather, rest in peace, passed away. I think I was probably I might have been about eight, eight or nine, I believe. Um, but the same thing, you know what I'm saying? From from Florida, just what I remember the most about him from, you know, the short uh, memory I had was just like the, the fishing experiences and, you know, him bringing that 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 Southern mindset to the South side of Chicago and having a garden in the backyard and him frying fish, you know, like, and then when I even traced my ancestry, again, I had it kind of easy because my, my, my grandfather had the same name, but like seeing that that name he was named after, I believe, his uncle, you know, so there, there's there's a lot to that. But like, yeah, man, it's, it's, it's just a legacy to me of not just being Ernest Krim, but like the legacy of, you know, being that positive influence in my child's life and understanding that when I say something to them, it's like law. So I have to make sure I choose my words and my action, actions and everything uh, very wisely. That's cool. So, like, if you um, if you have a son, do you think you'll continue the, the name? That's yeah. That's something I've considered and thought about. Like, I'm I'm honestly not 100 percent sure. Like, I, I know I know a couple fourths. I just don't know if it rings the same way as Ernest Graham the Third. But we we gonna we definitely gonna see and and be real with you, man. Like, as I've grown in my like um my maturation in terms of like Black history, I've I've been heavy in looking into two different names, you know what I'm saying? Because understand that although I'm proud of this name, understanding the history of why we had to adopt these names is something that doesn't escape me. So it, it's something yeah. I, that we've talked about a lot and also too thinking about what my name would have been if, you know, if I was in West Africa and all, you know, that's that whole little conversation, so. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, you don't see a lot of fourths and uh, I think it, it would look cool on the jersey. Like, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> it's a big, like the, the I with the V, that'd be, man. Right. That'd be crazy. Super, Super Bowl stuff. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> but yeah, so um, speaking back to your experiences with your dad, so uh, growing up, what was the, what would you say was some of the best advice that your dad ever gave to you? Yeah, I, I would I would go back to, um, well, man, you know, so it's a couple things. So again, like, you know, uh, the choices, commitment, responsibility. When you make a choice, you commit to it, you be responsible to it. You know, like you don't like you don't you don't quit on it. You you understand you 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 not and, and I, when I say man up, I understand like you know the context of where we are in society, and I don't mean that man up in the sense of like don't express yourself, but like man up and you know commit to what you said you was gonna do. Um, that was very important. That's something that I, I still enforce on my kids today, and I enforce it in my teachings too. Um, another thing that I really got from my father was, and this is I don't I don't think this gets stated enough in terms of the black community and just man in general. But my father always told me he loved me, you know, like whenever we, whenever we departed, hug, you know, kiss me on my head or whatever, like strong embrace. That, I mean, it seems small, but when, when I hear about the experience other men have of never being told that from their father or potentially, even though knowing their father loved them, their father wouldn't directly say it. So we're talking about a, a legacy of fathers having to, to act hard under pressure 
but my father was, and I'm not sure if his father was the same way. He never got that deep in that conversation before he passed. But I just know that that's a, a powerful legacy, man, because he had a, he had a soft spot and he wanted to make sure his kids knew above above and beyond like yo i i love you and, and y'all are my y'all my seed and all this and that so um another thing too is he actually and i don't know if he remembers but he was pivotal in my decision to be a teacher and this is interesting though because like my mom was an educator for years but my mom never said i want you to following my footsteps you know and I never wanted to <laughs> that wasn't that wasn't the plan you know what I'm saying like I'm in school I'm I'm thinking I'm going pro or I'm like my first thing besides that my thing was um being a psychologist too that didn't work out too well in, in college my first semester almost flunked out and I remember like just thinking of of you know taking history and everything and um my mentor in college had a degree in teaching but my father always said he was like you know we need some more black male teachers you should really look into that and again, like, like a couple of people have mentioned it, but when my father said it, it was like, well, dang, well, I do want to make my dad proud, you know? Mm -hmm. So that, that's something that we as men have to really, really consider. Like, cause I'm, I'm not, now I'm jumping back to my own uh, place as a father. Like when my wife says something right there are times when my kids are, but mommy, but when I interject, no, that's it. They don't come back. You see what I'm saying? Like there, there is no. I heard your voice get deeper. So what you say there? Right, right. So, so, so they, they heard the bass they, and they understand that. So when my father said you should look into that, I was like, well, shoot, I need to look into that. That's what my dad said. That's 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 me. That's my legacy. And I imagine on the flip side, if he had said something like, "Man, you look at you, almost flunking out of school. Man, you ain't gonna be nothing." Now that's deep, right? Mm -hmm. So he the, the words he chose. To, to, to steer me in that direction were powerful. And when I was almost flunking out, even though he was really big on me getting great grades in high school, he every time he picked me up, what you get on your test? What you get on your test? And I'm like, bro, like, how you know? We ain't even, like, got the – this is in the 90s and the 2000s. You can't even look online. <laughs> but when I, when I told him I wasn't doing too good in college, the same composure, the same demeanor, didn't get mad, didn't yell, like, well, what you got to do differently? How you going to change it up? You know? So, like, that, that was the biggest things, you know, like, staring me into teaching by using those words, uh, telling me to commit to things and be responsible, and just, like, yo, just really telling me he loves me because, like, I don't have any sons now biologically, but I teach and I mentor, so I have a lot of sons. I've, 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 I've helped a lot of children. I've mentored a lot. And it's nothing for me to, to, to tell a young man I love you, you know? And that's a powerful expression that we don't express enough as men, especially in our community. And we don't have any idea how far that can take a guy because whether we know it or not, every young boy wants validation from an um, a OG. They want that validation. I saw two former students last week when I was at the gym and I could still see that in their eye as me being their teacher two years removed. <laughs> the validation, you know what I'm saying? But yeah, my, my father definitely did that. I wouldn't be here without him. So, Ernest, you know what I, I noticed about you, man? Mm -hmm. You have like um, you have a certain like flow to your to your to your speak, and you haven't said like um or like a, a lot. So <laughs> <laughs> I didn't notice that. I, I can tell that that you that you're a good speaker, man. So I appreciate how, how did you get into like public speaking and get into that sector? Man, bro, it's funny you said that because you said flow. Well, I used to actually rap in college. <laughs> okay. so I, I think, Still got bars. 
I mean, <laughs> you know, man, it's, 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 it's one, it's one, my name was the advocate. So I, I say a black history advocate. So my, my name, I, I, I've always been, um, so I'll take, I'll take you back to this, right? I didn't always have confidence in that ability. I remember loving, because y'all hip-hop heads too, I'm here. So I loved hip-hop so much. At one point in my life, I was like, man, I should just try to rap. Because I think everybody, if you really love it, you probably didn't try to love something. But I was like, my voice is too deep. It don't really sound right. But I had a, a time, one in time in high school, we had to like, uh, we had to write a poem or whatever. And I wrote the poem quick. I don't remember what it was about, but I remember it just flowed easy. And this was probably like an elementary school. And I'm like, dang, that was easy. That was, that was pretty cool. But again, no confidence. That just wasn't my thing, but I loved hip hop, especially Southern hip hop at the time. When I graduated from high school, my friend got a MacBook. This is like 2005. And he had the program on the garage band and he was, he started rapping on it. So I'm like, what should let me try? So I just couldn't stop writing from that point. And I, I mentioned, like, I called myself the advocate because even at that age, it's funny because I still was using it as a medium for education. I wasn't that person, like, even though I grew up mainly off like the Southern hip hop and eventually Nas and everything, I wanted to use it for a purpose. So I felt deep down in my mind that I wasn't really gonna be doing anything with rap. Now, lyrically, I think I was good. Everything else, I don't know. <laughs> but I definitely had the lyrics down. I was trying to educate people when I learned things and I would perform and I was pretty good at performing too. So when you start to perform, you have to get rid of those jitters. You have to like almost put yourself in another person's body. Because if you shy, you can't go up there like, yeah, you know, Mike check, Mike check. No, it's, yeah. you go up there like, yo, all my people on, you know? So I, I, I had to get a command for the crowd. And I, we, I had a crew of boys, we was rapping, we would stay up all night just spitting and rapping and listening to beats and everything. And I say this because that transition to being a teacher, in the midst of this, all of these things are working together. Then I found that I love black history. Then I found that I want to teach. And, and of course our kids love hip hop. So I'm incorporating, like we listening to Nas and Tupac in the class, we breaking down lyrics, you know? And I started to speak not because like, well, I could rap so I could teach. I mean, I could speak, no. It was when I dealt with the hate crime. Actually, bro, I kid you not, five years ago today, five years ago today on a Saturday. Um, it was July 30th, 2016. And me and my wife were uh, assaulted by this lady with the N-word and spit. I recorded it, not realizing we were going to get spat on. When I posted it, we were trying to get justice. And I'm not sure if you all can relate, but sometimes you, life will put you in a situation where you get sunk so low that you just kind of lose in a good way. You, 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 you don't care what people think anymore. Like it's, it's so yeah. what? If, if y'all saw me in this situation, why would I be nervous to talk in front of hundreds of people? So mm. over the next couple months, I would have people reach out. I had like a, a school um, reach out to me, a guy I used to know from uh, grad school. I spoke to the kids there. I thought it was okay. Cause I'm like, well, I'm a teacher. So that's kind of the same, but I'm like, well, you got to shift it. And then my second speech was 2017. Black History Month at Joliet Junior College. And I remember thinking like, oh, I killed it. I just remember thinking that like, I, I felt the energy. I had the kids on the edge of their seat. I felt like, cause I was always the teacher that went off on tangents in class. And I was like, yo, speaking is just the longest tangent ever. 
<laughs> so so like I'm all I've, I've been cultivating speech since I was probably 18 unknowingly. So when I started to do it at like 29, like this is easy. So I just had to work on the format structure and things a little bit better. And honestly, bro, with through that, I found out like I feel like I found another layer of my purpose because I love doing that more than teaching because I feel I realized I got into teaching so that I could speak life into these kids and point them in the right direction. So but yeah, man, it's I, I think what, what I want people to know out there that are listening is you have no idea what the what your skills today will transfer to later. You're cultivating something like everything is everything. You know what I'm saying? So like it, if, if your child like loves sports and you love hip hop or love singing, understand they might not even do that professionally, but the skill it takes to, to try to be great in it is going to relate to something later. That's why I love sports so much because it teaches you that commitment, responsibility, that devotion to teamwork and the, you know, uh, the devotion to the process and the goal. So yeah, man, that's why, that's why I started, but I don't, I don't do it anymore. I might like write some poems every now and again and again, but it'd be like some spoken word stuff. So that's cool. Get you on the ones and twos, man. One of these days, man. Like, <laughs> on camera, off camera, man. Hey, <laughs> but you, but what's funny about that, man? Kind of going off topic is my wife really raps. Like oh, she got no, real bars. No, and she don't really do it too much anymore. And I, I, I really get mad at her for that. But like she was when I met her, she was shutting it down she was the best rapper on campus and she had a song y'all probably want to check this out when you leave but she had a, a, a like a, a a teaching song that went viral about three or four years ago and she had remixed cardi b's um bodak yellow and she turned it to like a, a math rap song went crazy mm. viral yeah she dope man I'm, I'm mad that she still don't really do it but yeah so <laughs> what's the name of that song so i can um look if you you just have to put in like if you put in mrs Krim. I think she put it cold. No, I think she called it Kodak something, Kodak Yellow or whatever, because it was called Bodak for Cardi B. Kodak Yellow, I think. It'll pop up. Yeah, Mrs. Cram, Cardi B or something. It should pop up. Can you uh, go into that? Like, how did you and your wife uh, met? Yeah, so we met at U of I. Um, <clears throat> she was a year ahead of me, and just kind of what happened was just seeing her on the bus. We saw each other. And it was one of those things where it was like, yo, like you look, you look good. Like I, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling you. And but, it, but, it, but it was, it was a, it was, a, it was a combination of, this was like the AIM era, so AOL Instant Messenger. So, we both kind of like made that eye contact a lot, and we contacted each other on the AOL Instant Messenger, kind of like one day, and just talking for for a minute, like for a while. And I remember like just seeing her after that. This is probably like the end of my first semester in college. Kind of went up to her on some, some you know, little immature kids. So you know how you do a little love taps when you're younger. And she had on her headphones, I remember. And I went up to her and kind of just yanked the headphones out. Also like real silly stuff, man. I don't have a game. So, so she, she say not like, she was like, what in the world is this fool doing? But I went up to it, kind of got her attention. And we, you know, started talking and, um, yeah, man, the rest is history. Like we started dating that following semester. And she, like, again, in terms of my trajectory, we talking like fatherhood, yo, having a companion that's on their stuff yeah. cannot be stated enough. 
like whether it works out and I know everybody's situation is different, but having somebody who is who can complement your weaknesses and your strengths or whatever and is committed to that child the way you are. Like we we really got to have a conversation about that because when I met her again, I'm on the verge of flunking out. She was on the verge of on the on the dean's list every semester. She had like a 4.0 U of I, and she's majoring in math. And it wasn't and that stuff ain't no joke, bro. Like so, when I saw her commitment to what she was doing, some of the first dates we had were at the library, and I wasn't a place I ever went until I met her. I was like, "Yo, can we leave? Like, it's it's, it's eleven o'clock. You you studying for final still? Like, what is going on?" <laughs> but yeah, man, that, that's how I was. And, and at the same time, again, she was like, literally, and I, when I say the coldest rapper on campus, folks knew her. Young Cass was the name, and um, I, and I, I was I was like, in, in comparison, it was like she was the like commercial, real cold rapper, and and I was on some, you know. Black star, most deaf. Nah, trying to like figure out right. that whole little thing. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yo, yo, uh, wife has bars. You yeah. got bars. Mm -hmm. I guarantee all three of your daughters got bars. Then. You know, man, it's uh. So my here's a, here's what's funny. My middle child. So she's six. We think she's gonna take the th take the throne with, in terms of the music. We figured out early that sports is not her thing. That's important, parents. Uh, I'm not saying don't get your kids involved in sports if they're not like really interested in it. But we we really I'm really big on understanding kids like strength. And I, and, I, and I took the disc assessment some time back, and it really shed some light on who I'm at, who I am as a person. My oldest daughter, she's like me a lot. Like she she'll talk to anybody. She'll make friends anywhere. She's very kind of very vocal, very athletic. Um, my middle child, is she can keep to herself. She'll play by herself if she needs to. If we take her to the track, like my wife has been doing lately, she go, she want to stop. Like, oh, it's too hot. Like, I'm, I'm tired. <laughs> she, she, go, she go about, you know, 50 I'm tired. I want to stop, mommy. Oh, it's too hot out here. But we put her on a piano, and she's been taking lessons. That's her thing. When we had our oldest daughter taking piano lessons, she would get bored. She didn't want to practice. But this child, the middle one, will hop on there and just start messing around with the piano. And we, and, and, and you know, we got like, so we got a lot of music we listen to as a family in a car that of course is clean. And again, I told y'all like Toby was one. Uh, what's another guy? I can't think of his name. Oh man, he had a song with uh, Big Crit and Lupe Fiasco and he was a Christian rapper. But we, but Lupe had a verse at the end, Lupe Fiasco, and she would always kind of go in rapping that verse. When she was, it was not Lecrae. This, this dude is from Louisiana. And he has locks. Oh, I can't think of his name. He called oh, man. Uh, a um, it was the song was like "Our Father Who Art in Heaven." Hello, it was like he said to pray over this real cold beat. So she would be like rapping and stuff like I kind of easy. So I bet we we call her um, so we we call our oldest daughter Clojo. Her name's Chloe. We you know Flojo. So we call our middle child. Her name's Kayla. We call her Kaylee Keys, like Alicia Keys. So we trying to speak that you know Alicia Keys stuff on her. But I'm like, yo, she definitely gonna be the one playing the piano, singing and rapping, whatever it is. And 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 they'll they'll grab my wife's phone in a second and find that rap video from a few years back and, and try to mess around with it with that. So yeah, they definitely gonna be comfortable in front of people, whatever they do. <laughs> you said the rapper. I'm trying to think of the rapper now. That <laughs> yeah, I'm a uh, you know I I got it on my phone. I got a, I got all these playlists and stuff. So let me um. 
Yeah, because and I think I think it's important too, man. Like when you you had these things with your your kids, that because the music I listen to, like for example, I, I, I love J Cole, but I can't play his stuff around my kids unless it's a clean version. Um, and, and some of the some of the stuff, even when it's clean, it's still you can tell what they're talking about. But I think it's important. Like our kids should be able to enjoy certain things, and like you want to listen to people as a family, like like Lecrae. Lecrae is another one that we bump together because it's, it's clean and everything. And when they get older, they can start to expose themselves. But it's called, his name is D1. That's what oh, he is. Oh, D1. Yeah, D1. Yeah, yeah. D1. So, okay. He's, yeah. Um, he was a teacher. Oh, I think I read that before. Yeah. Um, okay, that's dope. Yeah, yeah. What, um, what has your, your wife taught you, like, either directly or indirectly about uh, fatherhood? Mm. and a father yeah so yeah my my wife yo she in terms of reaching my potential as a man and in every other thing she has man can't be stated enough she is like an accountability partner for me even though she probably doesn't realize it because literally like our love story who knew like the things i really don't value are the things that she values a lot and it's important to to be a productive human being to be honest with you like i'm if you can see my office outside of like just this little box it's really junky you know and this is probably the only junky place in our house <laughs> because she's the type where when when something is out of order for a little bit she wants to put it back in place she she's really she has the same mentality that she had in college about doing the work we got to get this stuff done now we got to work at this now if we if we're planning a trip she's looking up the flight she's looking up what to do she's very proactive in that sense whereas i'm more prone to let's just kind of see how things work out you know <laughs> let's get there and see what we can find so she's yeah. taught me that in certain things i, I have to be um I got to be proactive and I, I got to be direct. And that, that let me know that one of the things I have to do to be successful for myself is like, I write things down. Um, I put, I set reminders for myself, you know, cause I know that's, she doesn't really have to do that. A lot of times she's very committed. Again, anybody that can get a degree in mathematics is, you know, genius level to me. So like that, <laughs> and, and, and also too, man, she, she's taught me to be a, um, a lot more direct in things, you know, because I'm a, I'm a, it's probably, it's hard to, to understand now because of what I do for a living, but I'm soft-spoken for the most part. Like I'm not a confrontational person, um, except if it's like my family and stuff, but like in, in terms of one-on-one relationships, I'm not very confrontational, but there have been times we've had conversations and she's like, you need to address that with that person. You need to do this with that person. You need to do this and that, whatever. So that's something that I, I definitely take for her. And I also know too, like for her not having her father in her life growing up, I, I know that what she sees in me is powerful. And I, I know the fact that she even wanted to marry me means a lot. I know the expectations are, are high and they're, and, they're, and they're different. And and she's told me countless times that what she sees in our relationship makes her want to just cry literally because she knows she didn't have that growing up and it means a lot. So like, I, I know when I'm being a father, when I'm doing my thing, that I'm not only doing that for them, but I'm doing that for her too, because like, it's, it, it means something for me that she's able to see that, you know? So she, yeah, it, bro, I mean, it's, it's, it's been times like when, when they gone, like for real, like I'll have stuff to do and they gone and I'll just be like, let me just chill for a little bit. 
but it's something about knowing that she's about to be back in the house and coming back that makes me get on my stuff. Like, oh, I got to get back on task. Got to get this stuff done. Because I know, like, she she is that person. This, 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 and that. We got to get this done before we do anything else. <laughs> so I need that in my life. Nah, that's dope, man. That kind of remind me of, uh, remind me of me and my wife, like our relationship. Yeah, um, man. Do you feel like you've taught her, like, anything about motherhood directly or indirectly? Uh, that's a great question, and I, I'm I'm sure I have. It's, it's honestly something I've never really considered, you know. But I I think our our battle is always just again like the things we complement each other with. So it's like she'll be. Again, we have to hurry up, get stuff done, get stuff done. Whereas I'm like, let's just chill for a little bit. We could chill in this situation. <laughs> let's let's re let's relax. And I know that because you know she saw her mom do everything a lot. That sometimes that I'm like, yo, you don't have to. I got you. You know what I'm saying? And I think that's probably the thing that um maybe I've I've implicitly taught her the most is like, yo, we 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 a team with this. You can relax. You don't have to do everything. We working together. When you're weak, I'll be strong and vice versa. So now, um, who would you say um, has been one of the biggest lessons that your kids have taught you about yourself? Man, um, somebody's always watching. <laughs> you know, I, I think that my kid, man, I fatherhood i'm sure y'all can attest it is, is is genuinely like the most amazing surreal experience you can have as a person being a parent because every child i've had i've had different epiphanies in life and i, I being a history person I, I think about legacy a lot and when i see my kids and i and i i see parts of myself physically on them <laughs> and i see like the mannerisms it it, it makes me more patient. I might not have been that patient with my first baby. I don't, I don't know, but I still believe I had a, a high level of patience, but it, it makes you patient because you're saying, this is me. This is literally 50, 50, me and my wife. And if I'm mad at this child for something then I have to first reflect and say, do I have that characteristic? <laughs> because if I have it, then how am I going to tell them to stop? I need to work. We need to work with it together. And, and that's a humbling thing. I think a lot of times, because there are times when I just, I want to just be like, ah, you know, just go off. You got to humble yourself and say, well, look, though, they're children, for one. <laughs> they're yeah. They don't have this stuff figured out. And two, they are exhibiting probably something that they learned from you. Mm. So when I say always watching, sometimes we are explicitly showing our kids certain things like, yo, I want you to come out here. I'm going to show you how I do the yard. I'm going to show you how I put this together. I'm going to show you how I make this food. That's explicit. But they also see us on the phone a lot. You know, that's something all of us probably got to work with as parents in this generation. They also see us stressing out about work sometimes, right? <laughs> they also see us having fun together. So there are things like that that we teach a lot, but I would say above and beyond, above and above all is, is the patience factor. And also to um, each one teach one. So whatever it is that you have, that, that you created, that you value, that you know how to do that has any type of value, you need to make sure that you pass that on because the legacy and inheritance is a lot deeper than just money. And like, even with the work I do now, like I want my kids to know I'm on this phone I'm editing videos. I'm posting stuff. That's how I make money. 
I'm on it. I'm, I'm going in this office because I'm doing an interview or I'm going to speak, you know, um, and also like the managing of time. I don't think I would have written a book. I don't think I would be anywhere where I am now if I didn't have kids, because when you have kids, you got to do stuff on the schedule, <laughs> especially if they're young. They don't yeah, care nothing yeah. about what you're trying to do. When that baby crying uh, and that 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 humbles you because you okay, it's one of okay, she's sleepy. She hungry or something, you know what I'm saying? So like, and I think to myself, I'm like, yo, when I'm really sleepy and I'm really hungry, I'll be kind of mad too. <laughs> so I got to be patient. And so when I, even like when I wrote my book, it was literally at night for the most part where I woke up early because I got to get all this stuff done before my kids get up or before they need that attention. It definitely, if you, if you um, allow your children to raise you, <laughs> it will it will make you a better person for real if you're doing it right, hundred percent. Well, that's big, man. Allow your children to raise you. Yeah, we learn just as much as they do, man. I don't think yeah. that's mentioned. I mean, I I don't know if y'all like you know in terms of comedians, but I just remember growing up listening to you know I, I love Chris Rock, but even like hearing um, Kevin Hart, he would make a lot of stories about his kids and everything and. And you would see people make sitcoms based on their kids. I get it now because they they some they some funny little people too. <laughs> the, the, the stuff they do sometimes is mind blowing, but it's like I get it. Y'all trying to figure out life too. <laughs> yeah. So we I know we're getting close to time. Mm -hmm. um, I have one last question for you. Yep. I know that you're big on legacy and like history. So like when it's all said and done for you. What would you want your wife and your daughters to say about you? Mm, that's a great question. When it's all said and done, I want I want my family to say that I was committed to them above all. And I wanted to make sure that they truly knew who they were and who they could be. Um, someone who just led with love, love for the family, love for our community and Yo, was just committed to making the world better, starting with the family first. That's what it's all about. Dope, dope. I like that. And I'll end it with, uh, it's really a statement. You already kind of answered the question already. Uh, when I booked the, uh, the call, I asked you, uh, what does fatherhood mean to you? And I'll read it to you, Ernest. You said, it's the most important role in my life outside of being a husband. It's an investment in the future. It's an obligation and an important duty if we want a better world for uh, us all, uh, especially as black people. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, hey, that's, that sounds good, huh? <laughs> I, I try I to read that. it how you, would, how you would read it, you know what I mean? <laughs> I got to make sure I write that down somewhere for the future. <laughs> I, I got it for you, brother. I'll send it to you. All right. <laughs> But uh, can you elaborate on that a little more? Uh, I know we pretty much kind of talked about that overall, but uh, yeah. kind of like your last, uh, you know, uh, synopsis of that. If you yeah, will. yeah. I mean, bro, like it's, it's it's really the reason why I got into teaching because when I when I began to learn Black history, my thing was I wanted to always share it, and I always felt that if I was able to share it with the guys I grew up with, the ones who, you know, didn't make the best decisions based on the setup of life, I felt like that would have changed what they would have done so my, my next step was well i need to teach this to the younger kids because when you, when you teach children the appropriate way and mentor them the appropriate way that's an investment in the future meaning that 
you're giving a little bit here that you know is going to grow and blossom into something great. Like if you invest, like, you know, people say you invested in Amazon 20 years ago, you're probably a millionaire now. The same thing with our kids. I'm looking at it that way. So when you're a father, when you're a mentor, because um, being a father is a lot deeper than having biological kids, the things that you impart in them for better, for worse, can grow into something that we'll all deal with later. I mean, all we have to do is, is look at what's going on in the world right now. When we talk about issues with racism or climate issues or wealth inequality or sexism or whatever, we have to, we look back in history and we see how other people have dealt with it proactively or inactively. Cause some folks said, I'm gonna let the future deal with that. Like Thomas Jefferson literally said, yo, I feel bad for when God's wrath comes upon the country because of what we did with racism. He said something like that. So like, for me, it's okay. I need to make sure that with whatever I do, I'm giving my all in a positive way to my kids and other folks' kids because they will have to deal with what we don't do right today. And, and that can be a startling thing to think about. <laughs> man, that's true. Well put, man. Definitely, man. Well, Ernest, man, we'll put this up in the Hall of Fame. Uh, Dr. Young, yeah. you, you concur. <laughs> yeah, man. Hey, th this has been one of my one of my favorite interviews so far, man. This, this is truly dope, and I appreciate you joining us, man. Hey, I appreciate y'all having me, man. It's, it's a gr we had a great conversation. I don't normally get a chance to talk about this aspect of my life, so I appreciate it. You all digging deep and bringing out those those things. So definitely, yeah, gotta do I it feel again. like we should. We should do another one, man. Just talking about hip hop. Yeah, oh, de oh man, we could have talked oh, for an hour on that. Man, <laughs> two hours. You know what I'm saying? I'm, I, I don't know if y'all saw, but Nas got an album coming out soon, so I'm ready. I'm counting down the days. Got his second album in a year. Yeah, <laughs> Nas been coming out with him, man. Yeah, he dropping. He uh, he just put it on his social media yesterday. He's dropping King's Disease Part Two next hmm. Friday, and Kanye album supposedly gonna drop the same day. But I ain't holding my breath, man. He always pushing stuff back, so. <laughs> oh, that's crazy. Yeah. All right. Well, again, yeah, man, man uh, thanks again, Ernest, for your time, for your candor, for your amazing story, for sharing it. Uh, for myself, for Sir Royce Brialis, for Dr. Ryan Young, and again, for Ernest Krem the third. Third, how do you say that in English? Third of his name? Second of his name? Am I saying that right? I think the, the, the third. The third. Yeah. The third. There you go. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, thanks again for listening to WTF interviews and uh, stay tuned for further announcements. All right, y'all take care, man. Appreciate it. Thank